What's up, this Shaq Barrett, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 29th episode of Season 3. Today, we're talking about players to avoid. These are guys that we do not like at their current price points, like Darren Waller, Nick Chubb, David Montgomery, and more, and the reasons why we do not love them this year. This doesn't mean that we hate the players or the teams that they're on. These are purely players at their ADP that we are not buying into. Joining me today to break this all down is a returning guest on the podcast. He is the host of the All In Football Show on FTN, in addition to being a senior writer for The Athletic, while also being the acting president of Flex Leagues with over 76,000 followers on Twitter. He is the All In Kid, Jake Seeley. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you, sir. I'm glad I made the top cut of like the top 30 for the new season. Like, I made it in there. And like, ne- next year, maybe top 10. Can I get there like a little bit? Maybe? <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Top 10 for sure. Getting better every year. We will find a way to get to the absolute top. But today, these are players that we also don't really think that are going to be at the absolute top this year. These are not fun topics because I think people are way more sensitive to players to avoid rather than players that we really like. Because with players we like, everyone can see, okay, yeah, I can see what you're saying for that player. But if you dare say a bad word about some of these guys in the list, people are going to be unhappy because they're favorite players. They won a championship with them in fantasy. But they're just players that we do not like at their price point. So, Jake, I will – let you start on this treacherous road of taking down somebody that someone likes. We'll start with you. Who is your first player to avoid for today? Yeah, I sh- you said the teams. I should cover up my hat because it's a Giants hat. And before I even say this, <laughs> it has nothing to – people know I'll- I'm the first one to poo-poo Giants players. So that don't you know get this twisted here. But the fact is I, I-, I hate Ezekiel Elliott's price point. And the thing that I keep saying about Ezekiel Elliott is tell me the difference between Ezekiel Elliott and James Conner and Damian Harris and all the best of the likes. He's not going to touch the ball 300 times anymore. Uh, he sees most of his value because of his rushing touchdown upside. And granted, just like James Conner and Damian Harris, they have better rushing touchdown upside than a lot of running backs in their positions because, one, the team they play for, and two, the opportunities up near the top, inside the top five and ten for gold-to-go rushing opportunities. And he can still get that. I'm just not going to tie my wagon at the end of the second round, early third round to a running back. That's that situation. When you see how far that James Connors further down the board, because of the concerns that he's in that role. And I get his is maybe a little bit injury related, but I, got, I keep going to Damian Harris. I said on the podcast with Chris Meany with some people took wrong. I said, why would you draft Ezekiel Elliott when you could just draft Damian Harris? My point was that you can get Damian Harris three rounds later and they, f- last year finished very close to each other and what's the likelihood that it happens again this year i think it's very plausible especially because you know as much as the fantasy community overrates tony pollard let's be real about who tony pollard is he's still a really good second piece and i could see them moving away from zeke getting as much of his work and getting a little bit more of a balance not necessarily green bay packers level but that's the risk and that's the risk is if they do that or he only rushes for six rushing touchdowns this year all of a sudden that second, third round turn pick becomes a fifth round pick. He kind of falls into that RB dead zone that people hate. I just, I don't, as you said at the top, I don't dislike Zeke. I'll still draft Zeke. 
I just yeah. don't want him as anything more than my RB2 if I already have some wide receivers on my team, and I just don't want him where he's going. Like fourth, fifth round, sure, just not at the 2-3 turn. Yeah, yeah. I think when he, I was buying him a lot more during the, this offseason when he was going more at like the, you know, the late third, early fourth. I think I'm okay with that price. I think, I mean, obviously there's a big price difference between him and Damian Harris, but I mean, Zeke's had at least 47 catches each of the last four years where Damian Harris is. Damian Harris averaging one catch a game, but their price points are drastically different. Damian Harris is not going at the two, three turn. So I'm, I don't hate Zeke at his price because, you know, he doesn't miss games. He's still getting paid so much. And unfortunately it seems like the politics come into play where that, you know, Tony Pollard's not seeing the field more where I, again, I'm not saying that Tony Pollard is the greatest thing ever. Like other people make him out to be, but I think because of like team politics, that's why the Pollard isn't getting more carries than Zeke, at least at minimum because of how much he's being paid. But (laughs) My first guy that I'm avoiding, and maybe this is unfair, and I I know that people are not going to be happy about this, but it's it's Devontae Adams for me. And again, Devontae Adams is probably still going to finish as a top 10 wide receiver in the league this year. Like, I'm not arguing that he's a bad player, that he's going to fall off, he's the most talented player in the NFL, but he doesn't have that otherworldly connection with Rodgers that I think is the best quarterback-wide receiver connection we've seen over the last decade-plus. No other Packer has had more than 70 targets in a season the last three years. And Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, who he's now competing with, had 220 targets last year combined with Darren Waller missing six games. So he's seeing a lot more target competition with there. It's a new offense. I get it. He played with Derek Carr, but that was in 2013. It's been, it's been a little bit of time since then. So, again, I love Adams, but I think his volume is destined to go down at least a little bit in terms of where they're playing. Maybe this team throws the ball more, but I just don't really like him right now where he's going at, like, pick 10 or 11. Are you still buying him at that price? Am I being a little too stingy about it? I'm just – I think there's too many questions for me. Yeah, so not there. So I'm buying him at wide receiver because I will still I still have him as a top five. Uh, actually, on the Athletic Podcast, I pointed out the fact that the difference between – Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr for red zone targets and how reliant Devontae Adams is. You just mentioned it, like huge upside for there because of that connection he had with Rodgers. It was about one-ish per game fewer red zone targets thrown by Derek Carr. So, sure, over the course of an entire season, 17, if they all went to Devontae Adams versus not any of them going to Devontae Adams with the, the Raiders, that would be a significant concern. But I think moving them down to, like, the fifth wide receiver – accounts for half of those maybe not going his way my problem so like i said is i don't care that he's top five wide receiver i care that he's at where you just mentioned at the end of the first round i'm just not doing that because for my opinion there's only three wide receivers that should be even in the first round and it's chase jefferson and of course cooper cup after that they should all be more mid to late second round in my opinion you just look at last year you look at a lot of these drafts like last year jonathan taylor and joe mixon were around the turn uh and those type of opportunities there so it's more so what's on the board because What's the difference between Adams and Diggs and Lamb? And like they could be a very tight group. So instead of looking at Adams at that spot, I'm going to take a running back like Barkley Swift, you know, anybody down from there, like those type of running backs versus Nick Chubb even versus taking Devontae Adams. That's the only reason why is more that opportunity to cost. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I'm thinking. I think I have Adams as my wide receiver six right now. Like I'm not I'm not hating yeah, on him so that much for consensus. It's just when it comes to pick eleven, I'm drafting Saquon Barkley all day in that range. You know, I'm drafting DeAndre Swift if he makes it at that point in the draft. I'm drafting Javante Williams, you know, right around there. I'm not taking Adams over any of those guys right now. So I think that's that's where I stand more than anything. But who is your second player that you are avoiding right now in your fantasy football drafts? 
Uh, so <laughs> the Raiders fans are going to be coming for us here because oh, my man. second one, and I know it's Darren Waller, but I just talked about this on yesterday's athletic podcast. Everybody wants to go out there. We were debating in this situation is just Darren Waller comes down to is I thought actually, I think I talked about it. No, wait on the all in football podcast. I was with Warren. Um, too many podcasts, as you can tell. So Darren <laughs> Waller comes down to the fact like I love Darren Waller, but I also love Darren Waller where he's the number one slash two at worst. And the fact is, yeah, you can talk about more man coverage versus zone coverage, and then he gets open more. And depending on the like, items, should open things up for him. And let's use the let's even go with that argument, I, I, which I, I hate that argument in general because it's such a crutch. You can spin it either way. You know this, Alex. It's like you can say, well, you bring in a super talent like Adams, it should open up more things. And then you have the complete opposite where people are like, you bring in Adams, like, where are the targets going to go? So you could play both sides of it for your argument. So I'm going to say, let's even take the positive and say it opens things up for Darren Waller. Let's say that happens. Why is everybody forgetting about Hunter Renfro like he isn't a thing? Like he doesn't have a great rapport with Derek Carr. Like Hunter Renfro is just going to fall by the wayside and not exist on this team anymore. So I see Waller, and I don't hate him. He's still inside my top six of tight ends. But I have Dalton Schultz one spot in front of him, and where oh, wow. he's going in drafts is my biggest issue. Like it's not even the sh- if you want to argue Schultz versus Waller all day long, I won't even argue much with you if you want to take Waller. It's where Waller's going. I'm not going to spend a top four or five round pick on Darren Waller with everything I just said. He's battling to be the number two, and I don't even know if he is now the number two. When you say Adams, Renfro, and Waller, could he still be? Sure, but I'm not gonna. I'm not going to buy that potential up. So you're basically buying that he's going to step back in front of Hunter Renfro this year. Yeah, exactly. No, and I, and I agree with you. And I think the other part of it, you know, beyond Renfro is the fact that, again, like Adams is walking in as a guy that's seen a 29 plus percent target share. They're just paying him 30 million a year. Like it's the same thing that as, as talented as Darren Waller is, it could also go back to the politics thing with the Cowboys. We're okay. Sorry, we're paying this guy 30 million a year. Like, I'm sorry, but he is going to get some extra targets that you just are not going to get at this point. I think the biggest thing that we need to answer is who's eating breakfast the most with Derek Carr this offseason? Is it Renfro? Is it Adams? Is it Waller? That'll solve it. But Waller was going at, like, the same place last year in ADP. He was going around the 4-5 turn, you know, right right around there. No discount. Yeah, you're not getting any discount when you add in Devontae Adams, so I'm, I'm with you completely on the Waller pick. My next player is probably the most talented runner in the NFL but is just completely capped in the fantasy football world, and it's Nick Chubb. Like I know that you know there's someone in here that's won a league with Nick Chubb, but Nick Chubb is not someone you know at the in the second round that is going to win you your fantasy football league. His best finish in PPR is the running back eight. He plays with the top running back in the NFL and Kareem Hunt, who's been a top twenty running back in points per game the last three years. And then he'll also have Jacoby Brissett. It seems like at QB for most, if not all, of 2021 on a team that already was only averaging 20 points a game last year. Like, like, I love Nick Chubb, but when he's playing with the top backup in the NFL who has actually been getting his carries and his touches every game, they're never going to let Nick Chubb loose because even in the games Hunt has missed, they're still playing Dearness Johnson or some of these other guys in these games. Like, I love Nick Chubb, but I just don't think that they're going to give him that top five type ceiling workload. And for that reason, if I'm drafting a guy in the second round and he can't finish top five, I don't think I'm going to draft him. So do you think that there is a chance that he can finish top five? Are you buying him at his price? Or do you think that, you know, we might be on to something here? 
No, so your first question, that's the answer here, is like, no, it's just we've seen the best of Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb yep. is just not going to be used that much in the passing game. And you mentioned another concern of mine. It's like if Deshaun Watson was that quarterback the entire year, Agreed. maybe he gets there, but because of touchdowns, like maybe because we we're just talking about Zeke, like maybe he gets 12 rushing touchdowns because the offense is better. Maybe. But it's going to have to come in that department because we've already, for all intents and purposes, we've seen peak Chubb and the problem with Chubb is it's not the downside at all because there's almost zero downside he's one of the safest first picks in the first two rounds so I have no problem with Nick Chubb it's like you said like right behind him when you look at upside like if you want to play Nick Chubb in the mid late second as he paired him you pair him with like a risk of you know Christian McCaffrey falls to the fifth sixth pick and you pair him with Nick Chubb so you get that balance or something like that I have no problem but if you're looking right behind him you're kind of mentioned where I'm focused depending on how I started my draft is now after my first pick who likely isn't going to be bust potential unless you say Christian McCaffrey for injury purposes, but you start your first pick with Joe Mixon or Najee Harris or somebody like that, Derek Henry, whatever. Now I want somebody who could potentially finish top five with them. That's the biggest yep. thing. You just said top five. So I'll be looking more at a Deandre Swift, take the chance that Alvin Kamara can bounce back, but is also not suspended. Saquon Barkley bounces back. Uh, Cam Akers, I love some Cam Akers. And it's not that on any of those might finish in front of Nick Chubb. It's just that Nick Chubb's steadiness is going to get him there. And if you look at the down games for Nick Chubb, a lot of four, fives, and sixes because he's so infrequently used in the passing game. So don't hate Nick Chubb. Like you said, this show is not about hating on anybody. It's just where they're going comparative-wise. I mean, honestly, might even draft a wide receiver before I draft Nick Chubb at that spot. Yep, I agree. I probably do the exact same thing and again like nick chubb's not a bear, terrible pick and i think you're right in a team building thing where if you're building like if you have a lot of strong wide receivers or you have christian mccaffrey and you're like okay i just need a running back too that is going to get me at least 10 points like every single week and be consistent sure nick chubb's your guy but i think for most leagues and not if you're playing in it with 12 people and you don't want to be last and you want to win the league nick chubb's probably not the guy that's going to lead you to the title more times than not but that is that we'll stick with running backs and we'll go back to you who is your third player that you were avoiding right now in your fantasy football drafts? Yeah, so this one's interesting to me. I don't, I don't really get this one. So 15th last year in points per game, 20th overall at running back because he missed time. Uh, it's David Montgomery. And, you know, I think there's a couple factors at play here. Is First, let's start with what this offense should be. And I'm not even saying that it should be one of the worst offenses in the league, because it will be. I'm somebody who thinks Justin Fields can break out. I, I'm, I'm a Jake, Justin Fields apologist. Let's make that clear. <laughs> but just like Lamar Jackson, just like Trey Lance, just like anybody who has a quarterback who's going to run for seven, eight, nine hundred yards, Jalen Hurts' offense, you have to take that out of the rushing share for the team first. So you're already taking 25% and giving it to Fields. Now you're left with 75% of the rushing side. Is it going to be like the Ravens, who if you look at their Ravens backfield, whether it's Dobbins, Edwards, back to Mark Ingram, if you look at any of them, they're low 200 rush attempts. The reason they finish top 20, top 15 is because of the scoring upside of scoring touchdowns. That's what it is, the offense. Do we really think David Montgomery on 200 carries is going to have a chance to get close to 10 rushing touchdowns in this offense? I'd say hell no. And then I don't even add in the fact that I think Khalil Herbert steals more from him last year. We saw how good Herbert was when Montgomery stepped out. I don't even know if it's a downgrade from Montgomery to Herbert. I'm a Herbert guy too. So 
it's not that I hate Montgomery and it's not that like I, I, I hate the player overall. It's just, I hate his situation. I hate the potential for more split. And I hate the fact that we're talking about one of the worst offenses and worst offensive lines in the league. That's going to be an offense that is run through the quarterback and then the running back. So overall 30th, I, I just, I cannot do you're telling me mid upper third round for David Montgomery. I, this, I will say this, we don't hate the player. I hate this one. I, I'm not even thinking about David Montgomery for at least another round. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. But it goes to the same thing. I think a, a player that I think of similarly, maybe not similarly, but Terry McLaurin's a guy that almost made my list today. And Terry McLaurin, I think, is arguably like close to like a top 15, top 10 talent. But he's just getting like his career is just getting absolutely demolished by the situation around him. And I think of David Montgomery in a similar light where, sure, maybe David Montgomery in, a, in another offense – you know, would do a lot better. Maybe he wouldn't, but just like again, this the team that he's on, the offense that he's on, and this defense is still isn't that great. Like it's the same thing with Nick Chubb. Like people are like they're going to run the ball more because Jacoby Brissett's quarterback. Well, you can't run the ball more if your team's not scoring points and you're down in every game. So I just again, I don't trust this Bears offense. I think he's going to be facing a lot of stacked boxes. You know, when Cole Komet and maybe Nikhil Harry is going to be the number three option in this offense. So. David Montgomery, I, I'm with you 100%. He's not someone I'm on. My next guy that I'm on is not someone that I hate as a player. I just don't like where he's going right now with so many questions. Well, the more the more questions that I have to ask when I'm drafting a guy, like around the first three rounds, the less I want him. And my guy's Debo Samuel right now. And for one, if the contract situation gets solved tomorrow and you know they're like, Jimmy Garoppolo's going to be the quarterback, then I probably won't feel so sour on, on Debo at his price right now. And I love Trey Lance. Like Trey Lance might be my flag plant this year. He'll be one of my my guys. But Debo Samuel has a murky contract situation. He's going to play be playing with a new starting QB. We don't even know what position he's going to play or if he can keep <laughs> up his insane efficiency. I mean, like last year, and this is not like a bad stat on Debo, but he was 21st in targets, 21st in receptions. 41st in routes run, but he had eight rushing touchdowns on 59 carries. And like, that's great that he was able to finish so highly while on these things and he could easily make a big jump. But when he has this like all over the place of we don't know where he's going to play, we don't know how he fits in with this new quarterback, we don't even know if he's going to play for the 49ers or if he's going to even hold out with his contract. You have that many questions and he's still going as a top 10 wide receiver right now. Like, no. Like, again, if Debo Samuel Alvarez could solve tomorrow, again, Top 10, I understand. If you want him top five, go ahead. But right now with all those questions and he's still top 10, I just I just can't be doing it. Am I asking too many questions? Do you think this all gets resolved or do you think that it's fair to be avoiding him right now? No, I, I have legitimate concerns about Debo. I, I, I more confidence the fact that he's going to be the guy, though, versus Brandon Ayuk. Uh, not Agreed. only because of these reports right now about Brandon Ayuk. We went through this last year with Brandon Ayuk, and then halfway through the season, he was back to being what we expected of his talent. But it really comes down to stylistically, I think Debo, although they have a lot of similarities, I think Debo slightly better fit, a slightly better intermediate game, in my opinion, a little bit better at getting open quicker. Ayuk is on his heels in all these areas. I just think Debo's a little bit better. And what it comes down to is it's Debo, Kittle, and Ayuk. And I keep saying this all offseason, is we saw very few games of them playing all three together. And that was yeah. with Jimmy Garoppolo. So assuming he's even Trey Lance's first guy, similar to like a Josh Allen, who I keep bringing up as a nice comparison for Trey Lance with the similar concerns coming out of college, is you want somebody who gets open quickly and like a Stefan Diggs. And who could be that? It could be Debo. But that all being said... 
is if you look at Josh Allen's second season, second, not even first, second season, let's even say Trey Lance is that second season. And I'm kind of planting the seeds for something we're going to say later too by referencing Josh's, Josh Allen's second season of just 3,000 yards. Uh, what was it, 20? I got I got to look off the top of my head. It was 20, yeah, 3,089 yards and 20 touchdowns in his second season for Josh Allen. If that's Trey Lance, then it's going to be Kittle and Debo most likely. But even if it's focused down to those two who see 50% of the target share, that's still not that much for them to go through here. So he needs that rushing upside of what he had late last year. But with the passing that he was getting to be a top 10 overall pick, don't hate him as a wide receiver, eighth, ninth, 10th off the board. But yeah, where he's going overall is just still, I think they're baking in a little too much of what we saw late last year. Exactly. And again, if it gets solved tomorrow, then I might feel differently. But again, the only other thing I didn't mention that you highlighted is, again, he's still competing with two really good players. You know what I mean? It's not like he's the unquestioned number one waiting to have a holdout situation. Like he's the un- he's the number one playing with like the a top three tight end in the NFL and someone in Brandon Ayuk that is extremely talented and should only be better going into his third year now. So, again, just so many questions for a guy that is going as the wide receiver 10 right now. And, again, I don't hate the player. I love watching Debo. I want him to succeed. I don't – just because I don't want him in my fantasy football team doesn't mean I hate him. So, that is that is what it is. We each have one player left on our list today. Jake, you are the guest. We will start with you. Who is your final player to avoid for this one? This one is a shocker for me. I'm, I'm very curious to hear this case. Uh, well, it's the, more so for me is the shocker of where he's going. That, that like I yeah. Marquise Brown – I'm looking right now, wide receiver 22, 23, depending. He's like right around there. Top 60, 61 technically if you get, again, depending, he's like right in that range. But you're talking about end of the fifth round, beginning of the sixth round, and more so the wide receivers alone. Don't dislike Marquise Brown, but what is Marquise Brown's ceiling? Like we've seen his ceiling, and we've seen his ceiling with Lamar Jackson. Are we really saying that Kyler Murray is going to do that much more for his game? Okay, sure. If you told me Kyler Murray for a full season of Marquise Brown as his number one versus a full season of Lamar Jackson with Marquise Brown as his number one, I would take it 10 times out of 10 with Kyler Murray. And sure, I could see top 15. But DeAndre Hopkins is coming back. And whether you want to make the argument that he's hitting the Julio Jones wall of this point of his career because he has started to see that decline, especially last year. But he's coming back from a suspension, not coming back from an injury. And he's coming back. Kyler Murray's numbers dropped significantly with no DeAndre Hopkins last year. Interestingly enough, complete sidebar little note here. All of Kyler Murray's rushing touchdowns were when DeAndre Hopkins was playing. Didn't score a single one without him. It's just a different offense. And that comes to the passing as well. Marquise Brown, while there is no DeAndre Hopkins, top 20, 22 wide receiver, absolutely. Sure. Sign me up. But once Hopkins is back, so you're telling me I have to spend a fifth, sixth round turn cost for a wide receiver who likely drops to wide receiver three range, maybe even four in six weeks. So my biggest problem here is unless you're playing in a very inexperienced league, which some people might, and then at that point take them and sell them after four weeks, not after five and right right before DeAndre Hopkins comes back, you're buying a limited window for your value. And that's my problem with it. That's like because everybody in your league knows you're buying this limited window of Marquise Brown. 
And I just don't see a scenario where Marquise Brown, once Hopkins is back, is the number one. Maybe I'm wrong, and everybody will come for me when it happens. But I just don't see once DeAndre Hopkins is on the field, who commands seven targets on average, usually per game, that Marquise Brown is going to hold top 25 wide receiver value. So I'm just not similar to Russell Gage. Love some Russell Gage. Love the players, both of them. Love their scenarios for both of them for those first few weeks. I'm just not buying somebody with a limited window. Yeah, no, I'm I'm completely with you on that. The other the other part of it on underdog drafts right now, Marquise Brown is going at pick 36. That's the last no, pick in the not. third round. Yes, he is. Right as of today, as of five seconds ago, he's going at the thirty-six point three pick at underdog. Let draft. me get in some of those drafts and go ahead, waste your pick. Go waste, yeah, waste your thirty-six it, pick on. I mean, he's going. He's going as the wide receiver seventeen, uh, wide receiver sixteen right now. He's going above Cortland Sutton, above Jalen Waddle, Deontay Johnson. I mean, he's dumb, going up. Dumb. That is just crazy to me. I didn't Let me realize guess. he's going bad. about a round or two in front of Brandon Cooks, who's going to slap people in the face like he does every single year when people yeah. disrespect him. If we were doing the players we love, it would be Brandon Cooks for the seventh year in a row. <laughs> yeah, and you'd be right for the seventh year in a row. I mean, I do like that Marquise Brown's improved every year. I mean, his points have gone up every year. His, his overall finish has gone above every year. But again, his best finish right now is, I think, the wide receiver 22. You know what I mean? And he's going as the, the 16. Again, I think the only way where he's going at his price is probably down. And I think that's why I'm off him a little bit. That's You made a great case. You convinced me. I was more Switzerland on Marquise Brown. I was pretty neutral of where he was going, but I think you made a great argument there. My last player, and this is a guy that I like in it. We might disagree here on this player, but my my last one is James Conner for today. And, and I love James Conner, the player. I just think I'm a, I'm a little bit worried. And I think it starts with the fact that 47% of his fantasy points last year came from touchdowns. That's a lot. Um, and that is in PPR leagues. He also had the lowest yards per rush attempt of any running back to finish inside the top 24 last year. I know that is skewed a little bit by all the goal line carries that he got, but still last out of, out of 24 is a little bit worrisome. And since 2015, only 10% of running backs to finish top 12 in back-to-back seasons were 27 years old or older. 10%. And James Conner has missed at least three-plus games in three of his four seasons as a starter. So I don't know. It just seems to me like history is not on his side. I think that he obviously has less competition this year. He's going to see more opportunities than he did last year, you know, with Chase Edmonds there. But, you know, how much can his body hold up? You know, his his efficiency has gone down a little bit, even though he placed nicely in some advanced metrics. So I just like other guys in that round. Like I like, I like Brees Hall and Travis Etienne, even Alvin Kamara, where he's going in drafts right now, all in that range instead of James Conner. Are you buying him a little bit more with the opportunity? Yeah, so it's this, we are disagreeing a little bit, but I'm going to disagree and agree at the same time. So I disagree running back-wise just because I just mentioned the Ezekiel Elliott before and the fact yeah. that he's in that range. And if you look at that backfield, uh, whether it's Williams, I think Williams is more the backup situation if something were to happen to Connor. And you're right, the yeah. injury risk given his career, lots of injuries throughout his career. But I think Williams is the option if something were to happen to him. I do think Eno Benjamin or potentially even Conte Ingram. I think Ingram could get past Eno Benjamin pretty quickly, if not being the pass-catching option. They did use Connor quite a bit without DeAndre Hopkins. But again, I go back to that without DeAndre Hopkins. And Connor saw some work late last year as Chase Edmonds fell off too. But there is a limited touch. I think at best you're probably thinking if he plays all 17 games, more rushing than receiving, but some enough to get into that 270, 280 range touch. 
You're relying on health. I love his rushing touchdown upside. So this is all the reasons why I like James okay. Conner, and this is why I like him as a mid-RB2, which is where he's going. So that's where I'll disagree with you. Where I agree with you is now the opportunity cost of who's going around him. And this yeah. is where I will switch. Everybody knows I love to get running backs in the first three rounds, usually two if possible, at all, all reasonable possible. But if I already have one and I already went wide receiver, I'd still lean to wide receiver because Deontay Johnson, Jalen Waddell, Michael Pittman, you mentioned like all those guys, all those wide receivers just in front of them is T Higgins. Like I'm taking a wide receiver, those wide receivers over James Connor and then coming back for a running back similar to Connor, like an Elijah Mitchell or the guys we talked about, Antonio Gibson. So like, so it's more so the fact that there's running backs like Connor in round four and those wide receivers are just too good to pass up. So I'll agree with you in that fashion. Yeah, it goes it goes both ways there. And again, like James Conner is not a bad pick. I just there's other guys that are going around him that I would prefer. Again, we're we're not hating for the last time on the show. We're not yeah, hating on any of these guys. We just don't want them with the guys that are going around them and the price that they are going at. It is that simple. But those are our players to avoid. But we do have one final question before we go. Jake, the floor is yours. Who is your 2022 flag plant, the player that you believe in more than anyone else for this upcoming season? Mm, I am definitely on an island with this one because I haven't seen anybody have him this high. Jalen Hurts is the QB3 this year for me, only Love behind that. two guys. Josh Allen, I teased it before. There's a reason. We're going to go to Josh Allen here in a second. But on top of Josh Allen is Lamar Jackson. And he's right. So he's third behind Lamar Jackson. And I, both these names become relevant because I referenced the Josh Allen passing numbers. If you take those Josh Allen passing numbers and add Jalen Hurts rushing numbers, not so uh, real quick, Josh Allen 2019 with those passing numbers, with his rushing, which was only 500, and I think it was seven or eight rushing touchdowns, he was QB7 that year. Yeah. Uh, if you take Jalen Hurts rushing numbers and give them to Josh Allen's passing numbers from that year, you get QB2 or 3, depending on like where you're playing. I brought up Lamar Jackson because a few years ago in his MVP season, like where everybody's like, and I'm not saying this to backpat myself. I'm saying like I made the mistake of questioning my own projections. I did my projections that year and Lamar Jackson came in in number two. And I was like, whoa, wow. that feels really aggressive. Let me tick him down a little bit in the rushing department. Like maybe he's a little like I, I became more conservative. Wrong call because he obviously finished number one that year. Jalen Hurts checked in at number two. I pushed him down wow. one spot just because I'll still take Lamar Jackson over him. But it comes down to when you run that much, all you have to do is be a mediocre, honestly, a poor passer in fantasy to finish as a top five quarterback because Jalen Hurts last year was already a QB one and in points per game was already even higher than that. He was five, six, seven, depending on your league. Good completion percentage. He's going to run. And what was he dealing with last year? Devontae Smith is his number one. Questionable wide receivers as Jalen Rager lost his job to Quez Watkins. You bring in A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith is now your number two. And Jalen Hurts just needs to throw 34, 3,500 yards and about 24, 25 touchdowns and do what he did in the run game. And he's going to be a top three quarterback. I have all the Jalen Hurts this year. Draft Jalen Hurts if you want to win your league this year at quarterback and not worry about anything else because he's going to be a top three quarterback. Well, I took it one step further on a podcast recently and just by saying that I don't think it's out of the range of outcomes for Jalen Hurts to do it like Josh Allen did in his third year. I'm not saying he'll be ever as good as Josh Allen or finish the QB1 overall in three straight years, but it's not out of his range of outcomes because Josh Allen, that last his second season, came after he had terrible weapons the year before. You add in Stefan Diggs and then all of a sudden he looks way better as a quarterback. 
And Jalen Hurts was just throwing to a dumpster fire of players where, like, Zach Ertz was top five in targets and he only played, like, half the season. Like, they're throwing, like, Quez Watkins and Jalen Rager were both top four in targets in this team. And then you add in someone like A.J. Brown. Like, I don't think it's out of the range of outcomes that, like, he could do what Josh Allen did in his third year. doesn't mean he'll ever be Josh Allen, but in the fantasy football world with that rushing upside, and if he really takes another step forward as a passer, I think it's possible. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love to hear that. So there you go. Again, is the is it is it likely? No, but is that in the range of outcomes where he's going in drafts right now? And the answer is yes. Even if it's a five percent chance, the fact that it's there, I'm drafting that guy all day. Real quick before we go, where did Trey Lance fall in your projections then? Because if Hertz favored, really favored, mm-hmm. if he was really favorable in those projections while not having to be a great passer, I feel like Trey Lance is probably pretty high in that too. Trey Lance projections check them as QB 12. And oh, wow. that's, yeah, that's only with 600 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns, which you could argue is conservative for Trey Lance. Yeah. Uh, I, I was a little bit conservative in his rushing share of that backfield. It's not so much okay. Trey Lance himself, but it's that share because I still think it's hard to get away from Elijah Mitchell carrying the ball 250 times this season, and then other people will be involved. So if you tick up Lance's rushing share similar to a Fields, Hurts, Lamar Jackson level, and then you get him to 800 rushing yards. I mean, I could just tell you real quick for everybody out there, 200-yard difference, and you can do the quick math, 20 more points, so he jumps up. That alone would push him up to Kyler Murray at QB7. Wow. A lot of potential there. A lot of potential. I just had to ask that real quick. But, Jake, it has been a pleasure having you on the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. Before before we go, where can the people find you? Because you're not working at just one fantasy football powerhouse you were working at two fantasy football powerhouses, maybe even three who knows but where can the people <laughs> find you where can they find all the wonderful things that you were putting out on twitter and on their content sites please the floor once again is yours or it's two fancy powerhouses because i'm working there maybe that's exactly what it <laughs> that, oh, i framed it wrong i framed it wrong next time <laughs> yeah at, I mean, at All In Kid, that's where I tweet out my links to everything, including the podcast, which over at The Athletic, uh, we're dropping a magazine this year. You can get it on Amazon if you want something tangible in your hand, and there's going to be QR code so you can update it on the site so it's not out of date. Like, you don't have a magazine from three months ago. But it's the same stuff we'll have on the website, same content. Articles are coming out. I just did running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, the correlation between what matters and doesn't when it comes to metrics that people believe in. By the way, the combine means nothing. So you can go check that out. And then the FTN is where I have the All In Football podcast with chris meany and lauren carpenter gonna be kicking that up to three episodes a week starting in august because as you said before we came on the show august is when they like i i'll wake up august 1st and won't go to sleep until february 1st (laughs) (laughs) exactly no i i totally feel you but those are the best times of year i can't wait for training camp hype and all the things that are going to feed whatever narratives that I'm believing right now. But I couldn't be more excited, and I couldn't be more excited to have you on the show today. But real quick for the people, you don't already know, at the end of July, we are doing a NFL jersey giveaway. All you have to do is go on your Apple Podcasts, submit a five-star written review, and send it to my DMs or tweet a picture at me at Alex Caruso. It's a free jersey. It'll take you less than a minute to do. But as always, you know where to find that. But thank you so much for Jake coming on the show today. And thank you so much for the listeners for listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast today. So as always, you guys already know, please leave a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.